We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Podcast presented as always by WinBet. Make sure you're checking out winbet.com if you're throwing down any wagers, uh, especially on the NBA this week, but college basketball as well with the Sweet 16 coming up beginning on Thursday. Uh, but of course, we will be talking about the NBA. It is the RotoWire NBA podcast after all. Uh, and to help me do so, Alex Brutha is back, uh, back from Chicago, back from a sports card uh, slash possible memorabilia show expo. Uh, please, let's do a quick explainer on on what you were doing this weekend, how it went, the craziest things that you saw. I'm, I'm very interested to hear the recap. Yeah, it was the Chicago Sports Spectacular. So mostly a card show, but also like plenty, plenty of memorabilia. There were autograph signings and stuff. Like I, I remember Austin Eckler was there, uh, Count Ripken Jr. Okay. Uh, some other people. I mean, you had to pay for all that stuff, which I wasn't going to do, but it was some big names. Um yeah, man, it was like 400 tables. If anybody's been to a card show, knows like the size of a, a table. Um, I guess it'd be about the size of like what you like a normal desk, quote unquote. And uh, so it's huge. Like, mm-hmm. um, it was a lot of fun, man. Like, it was uh, to see, you know, seeing a lot of stuff in person that obviously like you've seen online and know is very valuable. Um, but seeing it in person is is also very cool. Like the '86 Fleer Jordan and a bunch of old like. You know, Mickey Mantles and stuff like that is is pretty cool. But were there any like random like washed up NBA players doing autograph signings? Was like Ben <laughs> Gordon? Did he have a table? Uh, I don't remember, but that w- that would be awesome. I did see a Ben Gordon like patch autograph card for a, mm. like an absurd amount of money, like maybe a thousand dollars, thirteen dollars. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, plenty of crazy stuff, man. I think the. So there were obviously more expensive things there than like there were like hundred thousand dollar cards there, but the most expensive card I I asked about 
without knowing the price of because I thought like maybe it would be within my price range or at least like you know something not insane. I'm like asking about this Kobe card and the guy's like, yeah, it's forty thousand. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's <laughs> it's not really in my budget. So uh, yeah, I don't I don't have that on me right now. Yeah. So what what kind of cards are going for a hundred k? Uh, I mean, mostly vintage, like really high graded vintage stuff, but also like some ultra modern, um, basically anything in the last like five years, 10 years, maybe would be considered ultra modern. So any like, I mean, if you had like a certain, you know, Giannis, a certain Giannis like patch autograph card, I'm sure that would go in a hundred thousand dollar range. Um, you know, Luka Doncic, certain Luka cards, I'm sure would go for that much. Like if you pulled the Luka logo man um card i'm sure that would go for way over a thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars might be like a million dollar card honestly um so i mean it's just it depends on depends on the player the year the grade all that kind of stuff like whether it's game use the rarity of it a lot of factors go in so would that have been the case even like three to five years ago were there cards like that worth you know, six figures, upwards of six figures, or that's just due to the recent upswell of interest? Well, yeah, I mean, there were there were $100,000 cards like five years ago, but the, the all the prices are up, right? It kind of reached like a, a peak, like a bubble point, February of 2020, you know, mm-hmm. like basically when like also cryptocurrency was going crazy and stuff like that, it all kind of rose. Coincidentally. Coincidentally. <laughs> um and stuff was like worth, you know, 10 times what it used to be worth. Or sometimes, you know, it's even worth 10 times what it used to be worth right now. So, um, you know, there were people who were probably sitting on $10,000 collections that they uh, had in like 2015 that were suddenly worth $100,000 to $150,000, depending on what they had. Man, I, I'm so inspired every time we talk about this to <laughs> find find my old card binder. And I, I'm almost scared to do it because... I know that the cards are not going to be in the kind of shape that they need to be in to fetch that kind of money. Uh, but, but what, so we'll end on this. What did you do any buying and selling? I know you, you were kind of there as more of a, you know, walk around observer, you know, you're not a professional uh, card salesman. I, I, you didn't get your own table, right? No, no, I wasn't a vendor. I'm a vendor at the okay. magazine show pretty often because oh, it's nice. affordable. It's like 50 bucks a table. Yeah. Um, and when you consider like, even if you sell a couple things, like, when you compare that against like eBay fees, for example, which are like 12%. And if you sell enough to get hit with taxes at the end of the year, um, the $50 is, is definitely fine. Yeah. I was, I bought a ton of stuff. I sold a ton of stuff. It was, it was pretty active. Um, I would say like the most notable thing that I bought was a Nikola Jokic, uh, game used patch autograph card from 2019, 20. Um, it's the gold version. So they only made 10 of those specific cards it's from immaculate um really nice card i basically traded a, a dirk Nowitzki for it almost straight up and um yeah it was i was it was kind of hard to like gauge exactly what the price should be but i felt like i got a good deal right. and has pretty good profit upside i think do you feel like you could fleece people or potentially get fleeced if it's uh like a, a player that you really really like you know like i would be i would personally be willing to pay like 40% more for a Latrell Sprewell <laughs> or a Trace McGrady card than I would someone like Dirk, who, who I respect, but you know, I don't, I don't revere him in the same way. Uh, it, de- yeah, it really depends. Um, on depends on a lot of different factors, but if, if the card is rare enough, the price is going to be just high, but it, that is the interesting thing about the market too, right? Like 
uh, it's not necessarily like the best players, like worse players who are more popular very often have way higher prices than better players who are less popular. Like good luck trying to sell a Harden or Durant card because nobody likes them. Like Durant's going to go down as one of the best players of all time. Same with Harden. But if you compare like how many fans they have, like true passionate fans compared to someone like Allen Iverson, it's not even close. All right, so we are in the middle of semifinal week in in head-to-head fantasy leagues. We're getting down to uh, really the end of it. Um, you know, a lot of season-long category leagues will go through the final day of the regular season. But, um, you know, it, in one league that I'm in, for example, we don't count, you know, that final. I think it would be week 24. Um, so, it, you know, in some leagues, you might only have, like, four guys that are still even checking their teams at this point. But, uh, you know, we did a check-in a couple weeks ago. Where are you at, you know, with the leagues that you care most about? Are you on course to take home any titles? Have there been any disasters? Uh, how are things looking right now? So I have Steph Curry and Stake League, a 14-teamer. Mm-hmm. I pretty much have had, like, a, I'm I'm a eater. I, that's that's locked up. Yeah, you're locked in there. I'm locked in. So I, uh, I had to drop Curry uh, and picked up the, uh, the man, uh, Isaiah Hartenstein, who if you listen to the, if you're a listener of the Friday podcast, I've been saying that Hartenstein is a, a 14 team ad literally all season long. Uh, but I'm still third in that league. And my other like 20 team league, I'm kind of bouncing now between like fifth and third. Um, I have a pretty decent lineup, but it just comes down to like guys are just in and out of the lineups. You know, it's like Marcus Morris just rests sometimes. Horford isn't that good anymore. Justice Winslow and Dennis Schroeder. It's like those are the guys that have my bench who are just prone to like the random rest day. Yeah. And then in keeper league, I'm like now middle of the pack. I'm like bouncing between fourth and fifth just because I'm running out of guys. Like my my bench is Lou Dort, Kelly Olenek, Doug McDermott, Yusuf Nurkic, James Wiseman. So it's you just were in position to make a little bit of a run when Nurkic was going nuts in like yes. the end of January, early February. And as, as soon as the, the Blazers, didn't they win like three games in a row and then that was it? They just pulled the rug out on him? <laughs> Uh, that's pretty much what happened. Yeah, I still have a next year, and I'm kind of interested to see what happens there. Uh, same with Wiseman as well. Like, I feel like I'm kind of set up well for next year. I didn't feel like going all in this year, um, which I usually don't. I, I prefer to, you know, sit back like the Spurs and build the dynasty. Um, but that's where I'm at. How about your teams? Well, stake. I mean, we've touched on that. There's not a lot to yeah, say there. Well, true. Um, just just couldn't overcome the injuries too many uh too many non-covid injuries kind of right in the middle of the season um and you know paul george not coming back like that was the big one as, as soon as that became clear uh, i was very much locked into buyer territory so i mean shannon actually just sent out the email this afternoon uh did, did not need to publish the standings in that email we could all see him <laughs> didn't did not need that reminder but thanks for that shannon um so yeah i'm locked into to buyer territory there but still that was always fun like you know, it's no fun footing the bill at the end of it, especially because, you know, you also pay a league fee. But at the same time, um, you know, at least you get to enjoy the steak dinner and, you know, me being in Milwaukee, I, I don't get to see you guys uh, quite as often. So that one's always a good time. I don't really mind it. Uh, NFBKC League, I, I'm probably going to finish right in the middle of the pack. That one I had Curry in. Uh, I actually grabbed Paul George back in, I think, February when someone else dropped him and was really hoping for some good news there. I, I thought I could maybe make uh, a really nice push at the end of that one if Paul George had come back. I also have Miles Turner in that league, who it oh, looks like man. might not come back at all. Um, so once Curry went down, that was it for me. I, I was I was going to be kind of 50-50 to maybe finish as high as third 
in that league with Curry. Uh, but once that injury happened, that knocked me down to probably finish somewhere between fourth and sixth. So uh, a little bit disappointing there, but again, a ton of injuries. Um, you know, don't, don't really feel like I, I necessarily botched that one other than not taking LeBron uh, with my second pick. I, I regretted it the moment that I clicked. I, I think it was SGA uh, instead of LeBron. And, and that one has come back to bite me, but I, I am in first place in the keeper league. I'm hoping I can hang on. Um, it's kind of a two man race between me and James and, you know, both of us seem to be gaining or losing like one point per night. Um, right. I, I have just a bunch of guys like Chris Middleton missing a game. Like he's, he's not playing tonight. That's like weirdly huge for me. Jeremy Grant missed a game over the weekend. Zach Levine might sit out tonight. Like I, I really need to make some ground up in, in points to, to feel good about where I'm sitting and guys like that missing games is, is not great for that ideal. But um, I, I don't know. I, I'm sure you've looked at the standings in that one as well. I, I feel like I probably have, I don't know, a 70% chance to hang on, but you know, we're, that, that one goes until the final day of the season. So, you know, we'll see how many key players maybe end up missing time in games like 79, 80, 81. Yeah. Your, uh, your bench is kind of weird. I mean, Zubach is, is a decent, I mean, Zubach is a good bench player for that league. Oh yeah. Um, Covington uh, is kind of up and down, kind of hard to, he's been better lately, but he still hasn't played a ton. Yeah, the Lonzo, Lonzo's tough. I, I think you have a good shot of winning. Um, but unfortunately, I'm wondering if you have any guys that like are in position to be sat down the stretch. Like, are you gonna yeah. get screwed by rest? Well, like, that's not... see, I mean, I, I actually acquired Zubach a couple weeks ago from DJ as kind of a hedge against, you know, some of my other big men potentially sitting. And then I picked up Drew Eubanks uh, on waivers in that league, which usually waivers are just like pathetically bad and you can't get anybody. But that was my concern is I, I just need somebody in there in the event that, you know, like the, like the Hawks are pretty much locked into the nine or the 10 in the East. Like it wouldn't be crazy if Trey young or Bogdanovich missed a couple games down the stretch. I have a very Hawk centric lineup. I have four Hawks players, you know, in my <laughs> starting lineup pretty much every week, like DeJounte Murray, I'm a little worried could be shut down. You know, once the Spurs are officially eliminated, could see Booker, could see Middleton get some rest, but I don't know. I feel like on the whole, like pretty much every team is going to deal with that. So yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't like inordinately hurt me. The biggest problem that I have right now, other than needing points is the two categories I can improve most in our field goal percentage and free throw percentage, but they just keep working against each other where it's like Clint Capella and Mitchell Robinson will shoot <laughs> 70% from the field, but they'll also shoot 30% from the line. Yeah. That's why uh, the like centers who shoot well, from the free throw line are like such a hot commodity in fantasy right. all the time. The Jokic's and the towns of the world. And even the like, yeah, you yeah. has actually been a great pickup. He's at like 93% over his last 10 games. I, I just looked it up today. He's uh he's been, is he still on the 10 day deals or did they, did they officially <laughs> sign him? That's a good question. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to search our database here on rotowire.com. And the last headline for him says gritty performance in win. definitely true uh previous headline signs third 10-day deal (laughs) absolutely so yeah that one should expire i think tomorrow uh so yeah i could be in trouble i guess if for some reason they would opt uh not to give him another one but i i think he'll probably stick around uh all right before we get into some of the news for today let's take a quick break all right let's make some picks for tonight's four game nba slate on monkeyknifefight.com the easiest dfs site out there you can win 20x 100x even 500x your buy-in amount on any given night, depending on which contest you play. And make sure you're using our promo code RWNBA. You'll get a free $10 NBA ticket at sign-up when you use RWNBA. 
All right, let's get into it. We got a more or less tonight, 3.6x our buy-in amount if we go two for two on these picks. I'm going to tell you right now, we're going more for both. And we're dealing with two superstars. We start with Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Bucks playing host to the Chicago Bulls tonight. His more or less for points is set at 33 and a half. You look at Giannis's last five. He scored 39, 43, 31, 30, and 36 points. He had 30 points and 34 points in two previous meetings with the Bulls this season. Chicago does have Pat Williams back. He's their best defender. You know, maybe he spends some time on Giannis, potentially uh, has a chance to slow him down, but he's still on a minutes limit. Still not an ideal guy to throw at someone who has the size that Giannis does. So not sure that really matters. And ultimately, no Chris Middleton for the Milwaukee Bucks. So I think Giannis will have no choice but to control this game offensively. We're going more on 33 and a half for the MVP candidate. The other half of this, Trey Young, the Atlanta Hawks are at Madison Square Garden to take on the Knicks tonight. His number is set at 28 and a half points. He's been a little up and down of late. He missed a game on Friday with that quad injury, had a terrible game before that, just nine points in that loss to Charlotte, but he did bounce back at least somewhat on Sunday against the Pelicans, 21 points, 10 assists in that game. No John Collins for Atlanta, potentially no Bogdan Bogdanovich as well. And keep in mind that if the Hawks win this game, they essentially sew up a play-in spot and, and knock the Knicks out of contention uh, for a late run at that 10 spot in the Eastern Conference. Maybe that wasn't the goal coming into the year, but still uh, a bit of a relief to, to not have to worry about that down the stretch. So I think Trey Young gets it done on the road at MSG. We're going more on 28.5 for Trey, more on 33.5 for Giannis. Again, make sure you're using our code RWMBA to get that free $10 credit on monkeyknifefight.com. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more. All that is at your fingertips with the WinBet app. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or even try your hand at baccarat. WinBet is currently available in nine states. Those nine states are. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. And it's rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. Register for WinBet today, make a qualifying deposit, and wager to receive $200 in free bets. Promotion may vary by state. Download WinBet now. That's WinBet, W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcasts. Thrive Fantasy is back for another season of fantasy basketball, and they're running guaranteed contests every single day this NBA season. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on the top tier players who have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up today, and you'll get a free six month RotoWire subscription. Here's how you claim that free RotoWire subscription. Step one visit slash thrive. That's T H R I V E, thrive. Step two, deposit a minimum of $10 and you'll receive a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Step three, play in your first paid contest and you will then receive that free six-month RotoWire subscription. Infinite value with that subscription. You'll get full access to everything on rotowire.com, all sports, all of our optimizers, everything you need to become the best fantasy player and sports better that you can be. Check out thrivefantasy.com to learn more. Thrive Fantasy, an official partner of Rotowire. We got some fairly big news on the Chris Paul front 
Uh, out of nowhere, Sam Amick of The Athletic reported on Monday that Chris Paul is well ahead of schedule. They gave him a six- to eight-week timetable uh, when he initially suffered that thumb injury. And it sounds like he might be able to play as soon as tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, against the Minnesota Timberwolves. I, I'm not expecting that to be the case. It, you know, there was a report today that he, was, he participated in practice but didn't go through five-on-five. That, to me, does not sound like somebody who's going to play in 24 hours. But the Suns also play on Thursday. Uh, he could be active for that game. And either way, it sounds like he's going to be able to come back and play probably somewhere between five and eight games before the end of the regular season, where a couple of weeks ago we were talking about him maybe missing playoff games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess the hope with him was just maybe they get like three games out of him before the end of the year to ramp up into the playoffs. And now it seems right. like we might get anywhere between like five and 10. Um, I mean, they've continued to, to play well, even in his absence, obviously not as well as they were playing in like January and, and February, but they've won, uh, they've won five in a row. And I mean, they smoked the Lakers, which mm-hmm. isn't that hard to do. They yeah, also just, mean anything. I mean, they beat the Lakers 140 to 111, beat Chicago 129 to 102, 10 point win over, uh, you know, Houston. Like, they've been playing really well. But obviously, this is huge for the playoffs because you have, I mean, you know, he, Chris Paul is coming back basically in the wake of Steph Curry going down. And Golden State is kind of viewed as like the main challenger to Phoenix mm-hmm. in the West. And if Curry's going to be, you know, less than 100% going into the playoffs while Chris Paul is 100%. That's going to be really tough. And at that point, it almost seems like it's just lining up for Phoenix to be in the NBA Finals. I feel the same way. I I do. I I think Golden State is is definitely going to be viewed as that number two challenger, even though it's the Grizzlies that are probably going to get the two seed. I think there's still this kind of prove it aspect with Memphis where everybody likes this team, respects this team, but you're not going to find a lot of people that are penciling the Grizzlies in to the Western Conference Finals and, and saying, oh, yeah, they're going to push the Suns uh, to six or seven games. It feels like they're probably still a year away. And if we're in a situation where, you know, I know Stephen Curry the other night said, like, well, I, I'm an optimist. I, I think I'll be back for the playoffs. Like, that, you can think whatever you want, dude. But if, if, you know, if that leg and that foot are not feeling 100% uh, in a season when he already really hasn't looked like himself for, like, the last 60 games, that's a pretty major problem. And on top of that, you know, Curry, Draymond, and Clay are going to go into the playoffs having played like 1.2 games together. You know, and and that's you know when you obviously they, they haven't played in a, a playoffs together since Kevin Durant was on the roster. Um, like you're you're just asking a lot of factors to come together all at once. And Curry's health being the number one thing that you're worried about, I, I think they could still get through round one. Uh, but if this team, you know, they they could slide all the way to the four. That's not inconceivable. Even if they, even if they finish third you're looking at a first round series against the Denver Nuggets. And even if Curry's back for game one, if he's not hundred percent, you know, I, I, I think the Warriors straight up are favored in that series. But if you say, okay, it's, you know, both teams are healthy, but Steph Curry's at 70% to me, that becomes much closer to a 50, 50 type of series when you're talking about the possible two-time defending MVP on the other side. Yeah. And they don't really have a great answer for him. Like, Kevon Looney is not slowing down Jokic very well, and you can't really du- obviously Jokic is someone you just like can't double team. I mean, you could, but the, you know his his teammates knock down open jumpers, and they're great at cutting and all that stuff. Like we we kind of know oh, the Jamal Murray Jokic. could be back by then. Michael Porter yeah, could be back I mean, in a week. Michael Porter might be back this week. Uh, right. So that's on the table as well. 
Yeah, I just um, I agree with you. Like it, it just seems to me like it's way easier to envision the Warriors flaming out in the second round, just kind of running out of gas, not being 100 percent healthy, chemistry not being there. It's way easier to envision that than than them grinding it out and getting all the way mm-hmm. to the NBA Finals at this point. Um, and for reference, right now the Western Conference. If you want to bet the Suns to make the NBA Finals, it's plus 170. Um, anywhere between plus like 130 and 170, depending on where you look. And the title odds for them are plus 320 to 350, depending on where you look. Yeah, you might as well bet the title odds, I think, at those at, at those numbers, right? I mean, maybe straight up, would they be favored against the Bucks or the Sixers or, I mean, even the Celtics or the Nets, whoever it is? Like, maybe not. You know, whatever team emerges from that East, we're obviously going to be feeling pretty good about uh, given the path that they're going to have to take, but it does really feel like things are in some ways reversing the trend that we've seen in the last 15 years where the West has just been this crazy gauntlet and the finals are almost the easiest series that some of those teams play. Uh, whereas you look at, I mean, like Miami and Brooklyn is looking like that's going to be a first round matchup. And I mean, yeah. that, that's just absolutely insane. Like your reward for getting the one seed, if you're the heat is playing the nets. And if you make it through that, you're probably playing the Boston Celtics or the Chicago Bulls in round two. Right. I mean, there's a pretty good chance that if the Suns make the NBA Finals, they'll have played significantly fewer games than whatever Eastern Conference team makes the NBA Finals. Mm -hmm. Just because, like, Phoenix, I feel like, could get through a lot of these teams they're going to match up against in, like, five or six games, like, without question. And I feel like a lot of these Eastern Conference matchups are going to go, like, six or seven Mm -hmm. games. And if you're playing five or six fewer games on the way to an NBA uh, championship or the way the NBA finals, that's a huge, huge advantage, like having those fresh legs. And the way that the Western conference is stacked up right now, it, there is going to be some movement between now uh, and April 10th, but it's not, it's not nearly as stacked up as the East where, I mean, you have in the East, you have a team that, you know, right now in the Sixers is, is number two could fall all the way down to five, you know, depending on how things go like the, the West, you kind of have more defined tiers and the path that's lining up for Phoenix would be, you know, you're playing one of the, what, Timberwolves, Clippers, Lakers, or Pelicans in round one. And, you know, any notion that, like, you know, the Lakers are, if Anthony Davis is back healthy, they're going to get revenge for last year. Like, I'm throwing that out the window. Like, that is not happening. This Lakers team, like, the role players are just not there. Uh, I, I think Phoenix takes care of business in, in five or six games. Um, but, you know, you get past that series, and round two right now would be either Utah or Dallas. And, I, you know, I don't want to speak for the Suns. I think they'd feel pretty good about both of those. You know, I, I think if, if it's Dallas, you're you're looking at probably the same type of series that we've seen from Luca the last two years where he's going to get his. But I, I feel like we Phoenix has reached the point where you trust them in a series like that. Even if Doncic averages 48 and eight for the series, you trust that that's like what Phoenix would want him to do and would find ways to shut down the rest of the guys. Right. Yeah, I mean... Phoenix is just set up very well for a lot of different matchups, right? Exactly. Like you, they have Bridges who would be able to guard, you know, Donovan Mitchell. He'd be able to guard Luca. Um, you know, you have Jay Crowder to kind of throw in the mix. He's, you know, not as quick on his feet as he used to be, but he's no one's going through Drake, uh, Jay Crowder at least. And then backline, yeah, it's like you have Aiden. Then your backup center situation, obviously, still is not great, but at the same time, we've seen. You know, we've seen JaVale McGee and Bismack Biombo come in and give like pretty good minutes at backup center. So that's less of an issue than I think it was last year. Um, and yeah, I think they, they just have good depth and a lot of defensive depth on the wing to, to kind of shut some of those guys down. 
Yeah, I mean, even bringing back someone like Tory Craig, it kind right. of flies under the radar at the deadline. But you know, that's a guy that fit really well for them last year. Somebody who's already doing a lot of plug and play minutes uh, with guys like Jay Crowder and Cam Johnson banged up. Um, and, and yeah, like you said, I, I think they ran into some trouble last year, especially once Dario Saric went out. Uh, you know what what they were doing at the five in the non DeAndre Ayton minutes, they did get exposed, but uh, they, they've shored that up. They've shored up pretty much every part of their roster. And as long as Chris Paul is back and he has his, hopefully has his injury out of the way early this year. Um, I, I, I think they you know are well-deserved to be the odds on favorite, at least in the West. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Let's talk Zion and Lillard real quick. Uh, Sham Sarania on Monday uh, revealed that both players have been ruled out for the season. Not surprising whatsoever. I mentally ruled Zion out, uh, like, <laughs> I think the day after Christmas. <laughs> Once it was, like, things were really heading downhill and, and he was going out to Portland. Uh, and Lillard, you know, with the way that the Blazers, uh, you know, the lineups that they've been tossing out, uh, they, they, they gave, a re- like, multiple rest days to Josh Hart recently. Um, you know, it would really have been just strange at this point for them to bring back Damian Lillard. So the writing was on the wall, you know, really a long time ago for both of these guys. But uh, the question that I want to ask you, are these the two biggest fantasy disappointments of the entire season? I think so. Yeah, especially because it wasn't a really a situation where they got hurt really early and were like ruled out for the year. And you could just be like, all right, I'm wiping my hands clean of that. That sucks. I'm dropping them and I'm moving on. It was like back and forth. All, or will they, won't they kind of a thing. Like, And Lillard played so bad. He was like almost hurting uh, your fantasy teams at times with like the field goal mm-hmm. percentage. And it just like 
Uh, it was it was tough, man. And so like you, you were almost like chained to them. Like you couldn't you couldn't drop them and move on. And you're just kind of have this weird dead roster spot. So I think I I think they have to be if they're not top two, I don't I don't know who else is. I'm trying to like think of some names right now. I, I think they are. It was kind of a leading question. I, I wrote on this for my NBA observations article that's up on Rotowire uh, and Yahoo today. And to your point about not being able to drop these guys, especially Zion, he's still rostered as of right this moment in 65% of leagues on Yahoo. Like, like he's one of those guys that you were just so scared to drop. And then the next day you find out that, Oh, he's actually, you know, two weeks away from returning. Um, and and I, I think part of it is the name value. Part of it is the production, you know, that he did put up last year. But yeah, like you said, I mean, you, you really didn't feel comfortable dropping, uh, Williamson, especially in, until probably the last couple of weeks. And, you know, it's hard just to go back and say like, you know, how many potential matchups or, or stack categories did that cost you when you could have had someone else or you could have freed up an IR spot. Uh, but that, that is the worst part of it, I think, is at no point did either team make it clear that these guys truly weren't coming back. You know, it, it's almost a blessing to get a Brad Beal situation, who's probably also in that discussion uh, as the most disappointing players. But um, yeah, like you mentioned with Lillard, I mean, it's not like like he did play 29 games. He played in over a third of the season, but he had like the worst 29 game stretch of his career. Yeah, he shot 40% from the field. Yeah, I think it's I think he's in the conversation. You you mentioned Beal, he's in the conversation. Randall was pretty disappointing for someone who like really didn't get hurt. Yeah. At uh, least he played. You, I mean, it, you didn't you you didn't get first round value again, but it he stayed healthy at least. Right. Uh Westbrook. Oof. Uh that one was yeah. tough as as someone who who played. Uh, Clint Capella's year wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. Um, Rashawn Holmes tough year for him. But once you it get that like far like out down, of the league, all of a sudden, I know, right? Um, once you get like kind of in the we're in like the guys who are being drafted in like the fifty range now. Yeah. Like, yeah, Kevin Porter was is a disappointment this season, right? But like, if you drafted him somewhere between 60 and 80, that's the range where you're taking chances anyway. Yeah. It's like, well, so, he also left a game at halftime. So I don't know what you were expecting. He got crossed over by Compazzo and just drove home. Like <laughs> that's what happened. Uh, so, so Zion closed this, his ADP was actually much, much uh, lower, higher. I don't know. I don't know how people phrase this. Um, 47 and a half is what it closed at. I feel like some of the early drafts we were doing, he was going way before that. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was going like late. Or early second, I think. Sometimes. Yeah, I saw. I early second was the the earliest that I ever saw him go. I, I feel like mostly it was like late second, early third. Yeah, he was a second round guy. And then the basically, yeah, after the after the news came out, he was he still. I don't know if I ever saw him slip past sixty. I'm sure he did. I mean, based on the ADP that you yeah, that right. you rang out, he must have slipped past sixty. Maybe those are very late drafts uh, with people who are especially cautious. But I don't remember him really going past sixty. Although I was in more like salary cap leagues this year, so the bidding, the bidding aspect of uh, of it was different. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, in in salary cap leagues, he finished with an average salary of twenty nine point two, which not not terrible. I mean, it's pro- kind of a, about the same range uh, as as like more traditional drafts. But I mean, you could have that. That's the same price as DeAndre Ayton. That is more expensive than Chris Paul, Chris Middleton. Jalen Brown, Brandon Ingram, De'Aaron Fox, Miles Turner, you know, John Morant was going for like $7 cheaper. So yeah, I, I think maybe even a little more damaging in those salary cap leagues where, 
you know, you, you kind of had to make a point, especially in early drafts to, in some cases, pay up for, for Zion. Like there were some people that just were so high on him and thought, yeah, I know he had some flaws last year, but he's going to take such a massive step forward. He's such a unique player. He's going to kind of, you know, just continue to build on, on what he did last season. And I, I think there was a lot of overpaying for him uh, before we actually got the news, which was what the first day of training camp that he had had the surgery. Yeah, pretty much. And then they make it sound like he was going to be back potentially for the first game, which is actually insanity. <laughs> that, in they should be fined for that. There's got to be some some sort of repercussion. Uh, Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Insane. So, I mean, how do we how do you handle him now next year? And obviously a lot is going to happen you know, between March 22nd and October of, of 2022. But I, I feel like there's maybe a chance that you could get him at a discount, as weird as that sounds. Like, I, I think so, people are going to be so down on him now after what a, uh, I was, I was going to use a, an expletive term there, but what a <laughs> crap show this year has been. Uh, I, I, think he, I think he might be able to get had at a discount because it, keep in mind, he did play 61 out of 72 games a year ago. So he's proven that he can stay healthy when his foot is intact. Uh, but I think there's going to be a lot of people that will just have him on their do not draft list. Yeah, I think you'll get I think you'll get the Kyrie Irving treatment, not from like this year. Very different situation. But like in previous years when you were drafting Kyrie, you knew like he's gonna play 65 games. So it's like he's yeah, he's a top 15 player, top 10 fantasy player sometimes when healthy and available. For example, this season, uh in eight cat leagues, he's sixth when he plays in per game value. But you know he's going to miss the 15, 20 games, so you just draft him later, like in the 20s or the 30s. And I think the same sort of thing is going to happen with Zion, where I think people are just going to assume that he's going to miss 20 games and he'll get drafted more like in that 30 range. Uh, it's probably the appropriate place to take the risk, but a lot of this will also depend on what uh, what uh, off-season videos show up, uh, his weight anything we see in preseason. So as of right now, I think he, assuming he comes in healthy, like we, he's probably in the 30 range, but a lot of it's going to depend on the optics coming into the, into the drafts. That is a fair point. There's perhaps been nobody in NBA history whose future has depended more on like off season video clips from the overtime Twitter account. Yeah, exactly. Uh, All right. So the Boston Celtics are now 22 and four in their last uh, 26 games. And we, we can roll this into a discussion about all NBA, of course, pertaining uh, to Jason Tatum, who has been, I, I don't know, one of the seven probably best players in the league. Uh, at least if you're if we're starting it like January 1st, he got off to a little bit of a shaky start. The shooting percentages were really bad early on. The counting stats were always there, uh, but he has started to look really, really good and is playing probably his best like 30 game stretch of his career right now. I, I was at the gym early this morning. First take was on the TV. I was not controlling the TV. And the Chiron was, are, are the Boston Celtics now the team to beat in the Eastern Conference? Like, that is how far things have risen uh, for the Boston Celtics, who, as of Tuesday, are currently tied uh, in terms of uh, games behind the Heat with Philly, Milwaukee, um, or excuse me, tied with Philly and Milwaukee at two and a half games behind Miami. They're currently the four seed based on win percentage, but one more win by Boston and one more loss by Philly and or Milwaukee. And this is a team that we could be talking about as suddenly the number two seed in the East. Yeah, I think sometimes we forget that teams with new coaches often start very slow. And then post-All-Star break, uh, things usually start rounding into form. 
And I think the Derek White trade did help. But yeah, I mean, also a lot of this does come down to Jason Tatum. So Tatum's last 26 games, and he's played every game since uh, January 5th for what it's worth. But his last 26 games, 29.9 points on 50-41-89 shooting uh, with five assists to only 2.6 turnovers. That's MVP numbers. I mean, that's just that just are those are MVP numbers. Those are Durant numbers. Those are like lower level LeBron numbers. Um, it's he's he's been nuts, and the turnovers are actually be better than LeBron. But he's been out of control. I mean, they. I'm still a little bit worried about their depth, but again, in the playoffs, depth doesn't matter as much. They have a ton of. I'm, you know, they they figured something out with Robert Williams in terms of how to use him defensively, basically as a help side guy. They're just a really tough team to stop. Um, and the fact that they've turned a corner like this and cause we've all kind of been waiting for like the Tatum, the real like Tatum emergence. I mean, you could argue that he's been, I mean, he's been really good for a long time already. You know, <laughs> uh, he's been at all, this is his third year being an all-star for example. And he was excellent in the past two playoffs. Um, but this is, this is sort of, if it all comes together at the right time, which it seems like it might be, then yeah, I guess it is possible that they, they get through the East. So there's a world in which Jason Tatum is, is like scratching and clawing to make second team all NBA. First team yeah. all NBA is probably off the table and, and we'll see. I, I know Zach Lowe mentioned on a pod this week that he, you know, like appealed to the NBA to like, please give us some clarity on how the positions are going to break down and was basically stonewalled. Uh, so if he can't get information on this, <laughs> you know, we certainly are not going to be able to, but I mean, ideally you could put, you know, Embiid or Jokic at center Embiid or Jokic at forward. Giannis at one forward. You could probably squeeze LeBron into a guard spot, even though he's probably played more center than guard this year. It's just been <laughs> yeah. a bizarre, bizarre season. Um, and then, you know, you're probably down to what, Luca or, or John Morant for that other first team guard spot. Uh, so it's, it's kind of hard to make a, an argument for Tatum. I mean, if, if for whatever reason he was a shooting guard, you could probably get him in uh, to, to one of those guard spots or at least make a case for it. But just given his position, he's not going to make first team all NBA. And, you know, if one of, Embiid, Jokic, and Giannis get pushed to second team, or even LeBron gets pushed to second team, you know, Tatum's not jumping both of those guys. Like, there, there's a very real situation where, you know, he's in a debate with, uh, you know, LeBron, Giannis, uh, Kevin Durant, potentially, who's missed a ton of time, DeMar DeRozan uh, for, for one of those forward spots. I, I think DeRozan is probably the biggest swing player for, for a lot of voters. Like, if you had to choose, let's say there's one forward spot on the second team available would you go with DeRozan or Tatum? Uh, Tatum. I'd go with Tatum too, although it, it, it feels unfair that if we took this vote three weeks ago, I feel like it would have been no doubt DeRozan. Probably. I mean, I'm, I, you know, I value Tatum's defense a lot, and that is kind of the swing piece for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and He I, does lead I the league like, in defensive win shares. And I feel like he is a... You know, like you have to give credit for DeRozan, uh, to DeRozan for being like unstoppable in the mid range, but Tatum has more variety to his offensive game. Like people be like, yeah, DeRozan has the unstoppable 16 or 17 footer. I just feel like Tatum's a harder player to stop just in general, like getting to the rim, shooting threes, uh, his passing ability has been better. And then he can check uh, great other wings too, in a way that DeRozan can't. So you know, I can't say I, I can't say what I, what, I, what I said like two months ago, but um, at this point, I would give Tatum the nod. Yeah, I mean, right or wrong, 
fair or not fair, if you close the season with your best 20 games versus having your best 20 games in January right. and February, like it's, it's impossible to eliminate the recency bias. You know, you'd have to go out of your way and almost penalize someone for being good, uh, you know, closer to when the vote takes place. So I don't think there's a wrong answer. I mean, in a lot of years, both these guys would be first teamers. And for a while, it looked like LeBron, you know, would be struggling to even make third team. But the way that he's cranked it up, I mean, well, where do you come in on, on one LeBron and two Durant? Because, you know, both these guys have the numbers, but for Durant, he's going to probably end up playing around 55 games in an 82 game season. And LeBron's going to have the games played, but his team is going to win probably 35 games. Uh, so is there like a minimum games played threshold for Durant? And is there a minimum wins threshold for LeBron that would make you second guess putting those guys on, you know, one, two or three, you know, any NBA teams? Uh, man, I I think the, the only point in which I really start factoring in games played is when you're close to like that 60 mark. Like if you, if you're at 60 games played, I really have to start considering like if someone played 80 games and I'm comparing them to someone who played 65, I'm gonna have to start thinking about that. And I think anything less than anything less than 55 almost disqualifies you. Like if you play 50 games, like I don't know what Jimmy Butler is at, for example, but Jimmy Butler right now is at 49 games. So he maybe gets to 55 games, but that's practically disqualifying in my opinion. So I don't know exactly how that answers your question, but that's, that's kind of my, my mm -hmm. line of thinking. I feel the same way. I mean, I don't have a specific number in mind where I say, you know, if you're under 62, I will not vote for you. Um, it just, it, it, it almost to me is like, you know, does it feel like you've missed too much time? And for both of those guys, Butler and Durant, the answer to me is yes. Um, you know, I mean, 50, 55 games played in this season. That's, that's the best case scenario right now for KD. They have 10 games left. He's played 45. So he might not even get to 55 games. And I, I understand the argument of like, when he's out there, he's, no doubt top three player in the league. hundred percent agree with that, but I don't know. Then like, should we put Kawhi Leonard on all NBA? Because you know, he, he hasn't played, <laughs> but we all agree. He's really good. Like, I don't know, man, like availability definitely matters for stuff like this. This is not, this is not a ranking of the 15 best players in the world. If, if you were to, you know, just take one game or one series, whatever it is, it's the 15 players who most deserve to be recognized for their individual contributions in this specific season. Not what they've done before, not where they rank in terms of, all-time greatness. It's just for this season. And if you end up missing 30 games, that's almost half the year. Like that's a pretty big chunk that, you know, even if it's out of your control, like Durant, um, it's not, you know, it's not a Kyrie situation. He was hurt, but I don't know, man. Like if, if you miss that much time, that's just kind of how it's gone over the years. You know, I, I don't, I don't think it's an atrocity or unfair to the player. You know, if you're missing 20 plus games, that, that absolutely has to be part of the debate. Yeah, I mean, I think you can view it the same way as you would view, like, would this person be a candidate for MVP if they missed this amount of games? Right, like, exactly. Is Durant even in consideration for you for MVP? Like, no, not even close. Like, you couldn't even talk me into that discussion. And what if Joel Embiid was on, on pace to play 55 games? No one would be talking about him for MVP. Like, there's a chance he'd come in, like, fourth or fifth, but we wouldn't be having that discussion. So I think, I think the same sort of thing applies. And again, for me, that cutoff is roughly 55 games. Interestingly, Durant is 150 to one on DraftKings to win MVP and LeBron is 300 to one. And I would, I would wager that LeBron is going to finish higher than Durant in MVP voting. And that's not what this is about. It's about winning the award and, and neither guy's going to win it. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, not, not that it really matters when you're discussing the guys who rank like 
10th and 14th <laughs> in the odds, but um, that, that, I don't know. That's just strange to me. Like you're not, you're certainly not going to win the award playing in 53 games or whatever KD ends up with. I don't know who's placing those bets. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. It, it actually is like reckless to even leave those out there for someone to place, but um, well, go, going back to Embiid, Jokic, Giannis real quickly. I, I have a guess that you probably don't feel strongly about this much like I do, but you know, are, are you like a really hard line, like got to be one true center only on each all NBA team? Um, I just like, I just want, I want to know what the NBA wants us to do. That's all I, that, that's all I want. Like, I'm cool if this, you know, again, like we, everybody's had this discussion before. Like if this, if this is supposed to be the best five players, if this is supposed to be two front court players and three backcourt players or however you want to do it, like it's the all-star game or whatever, then like, yeah, if, if there's two front court players, then I guess you can have Embiid and Jokic on there. I don't know, man. I Let's put it this way. I want there to be a way to have those guys on all on the all on the first team because they all really deserve it. And I think it makes some of the other, like the second and third team discussion make a lot more sense when you can just throw all those guys on the, on the same team. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. I, I don't think you, I think we should eliminate positions entirely. I think we're moving toward that at some point. It feels like there's been enough pressure uh, from, from media members. And it, it feels like we're having some sort of debate like this every single year. And, and, you know, the more that, you, you watch the NBA every single game, you hear positionless basketball and it's very clearly moving toward that type of system. So I, I don't think this is a, a debate that we're going to be having five years from now. Um, yeah, hopefully they, they just kind of eliminate positions altogether, but uh, it, it's been a mess. Like my, my biggest question is, you know, is it, it are, are media members like splitting votes? You know, are, is somebody voting to like DeMar DeRozan, for example, are some people voting him as a shooting guard and some people voting him as a forward does that like if he it, are fifty percent of his votes going to guard, fifty percent to forward, and then he ends up missing out because of that? Like to right. me, that's the biggest liability with this system. Yeah, I I agree with you. That's that's the biggest question because you don't you don't want something like that to happen. And I don't mm-hmm. I don't I don't know how they sort that. It, right it's out. like when they do that GM poll before the year, and it's always like who's the best small forward in the league, who's the best power forward in the league, who's the best point guard, and, and LeBron is like third in all of them, but he's not number one <laughs> because everybody just like views him as a different position. Yeah, exactly. And well, we've run into the same issue when we write articles at the beginning of the year, like here's our small forward tiers or who's our power forward yeah. tiers. And it's like, well, like we have to put someone in one place and they can't be in the other article. And they're like, where's LeBron in the small forwards tier? And it's like, well, he's a, he plays power forward a lot. And it's like, yeah, yeah. We, we couldn't have foreseen him playing center. I, I, I don't even think we listed Wenyan Gabriel in our small forward tiers. I, I I looked it up quick while you were talking about it, but LeBron <laughs> LeBron has played LeBron played like seventy six percent of his minutes at point guard last year, and now yeah. he's like six percent at center, but like zero minutes at point guard because of Westbrook being there. It's right. I don't know. It's a mess, is what it is. I, anybody who plays fantasy, like, have you ever been in a league and you you've been like, you know, these positions are just too fluid. Like, I I hate that I can right. put this guy in here. Like, I I love playing in the NFBKC contest. Like way too strict on positions like guys who are routinely playing center like you have to scratch a claw to just find anyone who's in a rotation and center eligible if you have like an injury at center yeah i i i do wonder if uh we'll eventually get to like um just utility just like yeah just just start 10 guys just any 10 guys you could find in fantasy start them yeah and you still i mean 
you inherently kind of have to do the position game. Like you could start 10 centers in that situation, but you're going to get killed. You know, you're, you're going to have a lot of the same issues that we talked about with my, my keeper league team at the top, but I don't know. We, we've completely digressed on that. I want to finish up on uh, defensive player of the year debate, and then we'll get out of here. Um, this feels like the only award that's not settled right now, other than MVP. And we've talked about that so many times uh, that we'll, we'll table that one for now. But you look at the DraftKings odds right now. Bam Adebayo currently the favorite at plus 115. You got Rudy Gobert just behind him. Giannis still lurking. Uh, and then just kind of a, a slew of guys who, if you really want to make a case for Robert Williams, McCall Bridges, Jaron Jackson, uh, even Marcus Smart, uh, you, you certainly could. But this just feels like, it feels to me like Gobert is going to back his way into this and no one's really going to feel great about it. Uh, did not realize Bam out of where did the Bam out of bio thing come from? That one, I, I, I get why he's in the conversation. Like, I feel like every night I see somebody clip a video of him, like switching and contesting and grabbing rebounds. Like he's the man, but you know, you talk about games played, he's going to finish with probably about 56, 57 games played. Like that's, that's pretty low for a defensive player of the year winner. I think he wasn't even part of this discussion. So I'm looking at, okay. So, on the Rotowire website, we have a odds tracker. So you can see how players' odds have fluctuated throughout the year. And I would say the last time I looked at these, Bam Adebayo was literally not part of this discussion. Um, and the numbers back that up because uh, a month and a half ago, February 2nd, he was 120 to 1 on February 2nd. Hmm. And even as of March 3rd, he was 850 to 1. And now suddenly he's 115. He's he's plus 115. How could this happen? Is this just because Miami's first in the East and people don't want to vote for Gobert? Like, how do you go? What changed? What changed from like how do you go from 120 to one to less than two to one? I, I do I, I don't know what's happening. Very yeah, I will say since since he returned from injury, he's been at 1.7 steals, 1.1 blocks per game. The Heat are a top five defense. So I get that, but this feels like the argument you would make if the Heat were like the runaway best defense in the league. And that's not the case. So yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I think these odds, almost always the odds reflect who's going to win and, and almost, you know, sometimes it like in the correct order. I don't think Adebayo is going to win it. I think enough people, you know, if he, if he had played 80 games, sure. But I think enough people are going to say, this guy played 56 games. Like I'm, I'm not voting for him. When's the last time a guy who ever's 1.5 steals and 0.8 blocks won defensive player of the year? I like, I that's not I, I all know. of it, I right? Don't know. Well, it's not, not like that's... he's the only good defender on that team, right? Yeah, Jimmy Butler, you know. <laughs> oh man, this is so bizarre. Yeah, it's weird. It's kind of... This is why I feel like it's going to be Gobert. I, I think, you know, maybe, maybe night to night on like a per game basis, maybe Adebayo is, is more effective or more versatile if you want to make that case, but. Gobert, I mean, he's his game count's going to be lower than it's been in years past, but he's still going to be approaching 70. Like, he'll get to 67 or 68, uh, which which is plenty for this award. But I don't know. I, I feel like these odds, you know, and, and it is reflected. It's not like Adebayo's the runaway winner, but the fact that he's the favorite, I, I don't even know if he would finish second right now. He, he might finish somewhere between third and sixth. I, I think Giannis will finish ahead of him. Yeah. Yeah, this is kind of throwing me for a loop. I mean yeah. – he de- yeah deserves to be in there. Um, yeah, this is this is a weird this is a weird award. You know, Robert uh, Williams, you can get at eighteen to one. 
Um, and like obviously his presence has been huge for the Celtics, who have they've been like making this resurgence. The Celtics have had yep. more of like a defensive resurgence than the Heat. And Celtics Robert are gonna Williams. finish the year as the best defensive team. Right. Uh, I also I would be I would hear arguments for McCall Bridges. I would hear arguments for Marcus Smart. Um, you know, I think I think Smart and Williams maybe end up splitting because they they both have this responsibility or this uh completely blanking on the word reputation as you know great defensive players where I feel like some people might say smart is the real linchpin. Other people might say Robert Williams. So maybe they would split some of the like third, fourth, fifth place votes. Um, but I mean, Bridges is pretty clearly the number one defender and the most versatile defender on that Suns team. And like CP is still a fine defender. Booker's been okay. You know, DeAndre Ayton is really good, but like McCall Bridges is the defender on that team. And, you know, if, if ever it felt like if, if there's ever a year for a wing, to kind of come out of nowhere and win it for the first time since Ron Artest in 2004, this could be it. And I, I don't think Bridges is going to do it, but the fact that there's not another clear winner, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset if he, he sneaks his way in. Yeah. I think the problem is when you're a wing, you have to, you have to really be putting up gaudy numbers. Like I think you have to cross the two steals per game threshold. Um, yeah, probably. And, if, and if not, then it has to be like 1.5 steals, 1.5 blocks. Yeah, or your team again has to be like running away with yes. the best defensive rating in the league. And yeah, the Suns are up there, but they're third in defense right now. Um, you know, Celtics are better, Golden State's better. So I, I don't think that that argument necessarily holds up. But we got to get out of here. We got games tipping off, uh, we got media stuff to do. But good chat with you as always, dude. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.